Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson, and you're listening to the best of The Robinson Show. Hope you enjoy. On this program, we touch on all sports, football, basketball, baseball, and even track and field. And this next person that I have on the program is like a brother to me. I've known him for a long time now, and he's a one-of-a-kind person, and he's also doing his part in the world of fitness, particularly in running. I have Justin Mache to talk a little bit about his love of running, the benefits of running, and we'll also talk about something called Global Running Day. Justin, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's nice to be here. My first question I have to ask you is, when did you first fall in love with running? I first fell in love with running when I was a kid, actually, um, probably like six, seven years old. You know, like all kids like to run, but I truly loved running. Like, I just loved the the freedom of it and just how I could just, like, run anywhere I wanted. I just liked the feeling that it gave me. So it wasn't something that I I got serious about running until really um, about t- 2012. I, I even, in in high school, I had a, tried out for track, but then I was too afraid because I saw how, how serious some of the kids were about running. So I actually never, I went to go try out, but I never actually tried out. I watched from the bleachers and I listened to them call my name to come and try out for practice. And I just, and I would go after school every day and just watch. But it wasn't until many years later, like I said, 2012 that I actually took it up and started doing it uh, consistently on my own. Okay, well, I want to piggyback on what you said about you being afraid to try out for the team. And I know you live in New York City, one of the great cities in the world, but you're a native of Portland, Oregon. And when I think about the state of Oregon, Oregon is prime when it comes to running. I want to touch back on when you said you were afraid to try out for the team. Was it pressure from other kids or was it parents or family members? Because I know in Oregon, running is serious business. Running is serious business there, but it wasn't serious to me at the time. Uh, it And I never even looked at it. I never looked at it through that scope, I guess, maybe because I was you know, like a high schooler and it just, I never really paid much attention when there were marathons in the city. I never paid it any mind. Portland is also big on biking. So biking and running, running would be number one. And I think biking is a close number two in Portland. And I was into cycling, bicycling, bicycle riding, like we ride dirt trails and things. So that was actually my love. My number one love at the time was, was biking. So, um, that's what I grew up doing. But my, my fear of trying out really had nothing to do with anyone else other than just me not thinking that I was good enough. And, you know, I don't know where that fear came from because it's not like I knew any of the kids on the team. It's not like there was anyone intimidating. There wasn't anyone saying anything. No one knew that I was going to try out. It was just a decision I made on my own because I was like, you know what? I like to run. I should try out for track and field and see how I do. I didn't know anything about track, Um, but I talked myself out of it. It was just one of those things that we sometimes do, especially as a, as a kid, I would, go back to talk to that Justin then and be like, you better do it. You better just go on and do it and, and try it out. You'll never know till you try. Not a regret of mine, but I do wonder sometimes what would have happened had I actually tried out. Well, I tell you what, thank God for second chances. And uh, let's fast forward to the year of 2012 when you finally got your opportunity to run. So tell the audience out there about the year 2012 and what what took place 
in your transformation to becoming familiar with the sport of running? So it was 2012 that I that uh, a friend of mine, uh, she she was a runner, a coworker actually, and a friend uh, of mine was trying to get me to come out and run with her in Central Park. And she was like, oh, just come. I just run a few miles. I know you run and you're a runner. But see, I have to specify, I was a treadmill runner. I loved and I still love running on the treadmill. I can just go places in my mind and just disappear. Some people, they, they find it to be monotonous and, you know, they call it the treadmill. I actually liked it. And so when she tried to get me to run with her in 2012 in Central Park, I wanted no parts of that because I was like, no, you have to deal with the weather. You have to deal with bugs. You have to deal with dodging cars. Sometimes you have to deal with... Uh, other people. And when I run on the treadmill, I don't have to deal with any of that. It's air conditioned. I can go as fast or slow as I want. And I don't have to worry about bumps or potholes or anything like that. Or watching, looking, see if, you know, watching my steps. So I figured, why not? But she pressured me into finally running with her. So I did a couple times. And one time we were in the park and all these people were running. We just came around the bend and all these people were running. And I was like, where are these people running to? Where are all these people going? And she said, oh, it's probably a race. And I was like, what do you mean a race? And she was like, oh, this is probably, you know, they do a lot of races here in Central Park. I said, really? And then she was like, yeah. I was like, well, I'm faster than a lot of these people. She told me about it, and I decided to sign up for a race. And I kind of got addicted briefly to racing in 2012. I probably did that for about a year, and then I just fell off and went right back to running on the treadmill because I was like, ah, I'm just running on the treadmill. I like the treadmill. And then it was in, I say, 2014, the end of 2014 to early 2015, when, for whatever reason, I decided to get back into running outside. Because a friend of mine told me about a Nike group, that Nike had a run club, and that they were like, and they give you free water, they give you snacks, and they encourage you. So I went out with the Nike run club, and... That's what drew me to come out. And it's just, it was a mass group of people. Like over 100 people would meet at the Nike store in Midtown, Manhattan. And then we'd run to Central Park every Wednesday. It was just so much fun to just run with a group of people. And we just, it was like we just took over the whole park and we would just run. And I just loved that feeling. And I love, I love running with groups. You know, it gives you more confidence when you run with other people. That's why a lot of personal trainers, they always say, and just especially in any type of fitness groups, they always say that it's always better when you do things as a group because you motivate one another, you push yourselves to the limit. So it's definitely very important that you practice, exactly. uh, you practice uh, fitness in groups. I want to ask you about some of the races that you've been in thus far. Now, I heard through the grapevine that have you ran in the New York City Marathon? Through that grapevine, you, you heard about the New York City Marathon. I did get into it uh, in 2016, and then I pushed it. I deferred to run 2017, which would have been last year, but then I decided not to run it uh, because I was injured still. And then, But I am running it this year, so I'll be running it November of 2018. I have yet to ever run the New York City Marathon, but I am running it this year uh, in November uh, it's on a Sunday. It's either I think it's November sixth, either the fourth or the sixth. It's it's a it's on a Sunday. I have run a marathon. I ran the Portland Marathon in 2015, and you know that's to run 26.2 miles. It's it's a beast. 
you know, it's not something that you, you can, I mean, you truly have to train. It's not something to take lightly. But I ran it in three hours, 52 minutes, and 45 seconds, which is good, especially for my first time because they say most people, when they run their first marathon, it's always more than four hours. So I'm like, well, I ran mine in three hours, 52 minutes, and 45 seconds. Congratulations at that achievement. I know you're going to have many more marathons and many more races to run in the near future. Now, I want to piggyback off of what you said earlier about the training that goes into running in a marathon. Tell the listening audience out there what training is required in order to keep your stamina up for these 26.2 mile races. If you're going to be running a marathon, uh, diet is important to be eating the correct foods and hydration is, is key. You definitely want to, to to stay hydrated, especially if you're in a hot environment like in the summertime, New York City, when you're training, it's hot. You usually start training about three months before the marathon, three, three and a half months before. You start out with, with, with short runs, you know, doing, well, if you've never run at all, you're really going to start out running like, I would start with running two to three miles at a time. But if you've been running a little bit and you want to start out and just maybe do a five mile run, you want to do one long run a week. And you always want to keep building it up to uh, to run more and more. As you're approaching the marathon each week, you should be running a few more miles than you did the previous week. So you might start with five, then the next week you're doing eight, and then the next week maybe 10 and 12 and so forth. You never, you never run the full 26.2 while training. The most I think you, you should ever do is between 22 and 24. That's the most you should ever run when you're training, but you you definitely have to carb up. Pasta is a good thing, especially before a race. You would you would eat a, uh, pasta is good a good carb to eat before your race. Some people like to use gel packs when they're running to keep them in a little pouch for energy boost. I don't use gel packs. I actually when I ran in 2015, I was so excited to run the Portland Marathon that I didn't eat anything. I ate nothing. Oh wow! I did wow did you <laughs> did you didn't suffer for that did you i feel like i would have performed better had i eaten something it wasn't an intentional thing it was just one of those things that i just completely forgot about i knew i didn't want to drink anything because i didn't want to have to pee during the marathon you know i, I didn't want to have to use the restroom i didn't want to have to take the time out to run off to a porta potty i wanted to be able to just run the whole 26.2 without stopping and that's what, another reason why the night before i made sure like i didn't really eat uh, too late. I made sure I ate early so that if I did have to use the restroom, it'd be before the race. But I did suffer because it was about mile seven. When I got to mile seven, my stomach was, was talking to other people. My stomach was asking other runners for uh, for snacks. It was trying to remind <laughs> me that, uh, <laughs> that, I, that I hadn't eaten anything. So yeah, when my stomach was growling at mile seven, I was like, oh, that's right. It just dawned on me. I didn't eat anything. Wow. And I was like, I can't believe that. But there are, you know, fluid stations at every mile. There's also, I think once you get past about 10 miles, there are also people that have gel packs. Some people have bananas, which is good. The potassium helps and, and helps you stop from cramping because you're, I started to cramp up about mile 17, but the banana helps to prevent cramping. And then you also sometimes need sugar because you're losing a lot of salt as well as from your running so there was a lot of kids with with uh gummy bears in little cups and you just take the little gummy bear up so it's something you know some some stations fluid stations have gatorade and they also have water 
you can stay hydrated throughout the, the race. I want to get to the benefits of running because we know that running is great for the cardiovascular system. But just in, in, in your opinion, just tell the audience out there, what are the benefits of running and how can they incorporate it into their fitness plan? Anyone can really do running. And I know some a lot of people like to say, oh, I can't run. But when they see us running outside, they're like, oh, I would run if I could. Even if you, running doesn't mean you have to be running at a vigorous, you know, heart racing pace. Running could be the same as jogging, like a, a light jog or a brisk. If, if you're a walker, to walk, walk briskly. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, if you're male or female. You have two feet, use them. And, you know, it gives you a confidence boost just just from from that, from the exercise itself. It's like I've never known anyone to go for a run or a jog. And it doesn't matter if you're running and jogging as well. Some people feel like they're defeated if they went out, they decided to go running, but they had to walk a little bit. Hey, you're out there. You're actually you're doing something to better yourself and your health. So why how on earth could that be a bad thing? It's not. So a lot of people beat themselves over over small things that that like that that really there's nothing there's nothing bad about that. Running is also one of the best ways to to get rid of fat. I think I read years ago it could have changed. You know it always changes every year. But I read years ago that it said the number one fat burner was skiing, and I found that to be so interesting that skiing was the number one fat burner, but the number two was running. So there's there's also that benefit, and that's actually. One of the things that I thought I thought was good, I was like, oh, you know, you have belly fat. Running can help help with that. It'll help relieve stress and tension that you might have. You know, there's so many benefits that you know a lot of people really have no idea. You know, it can cure even depression from a lot of a lot of people who you know it can prevent it. I should say. Well, that's all helpful, and you know, I just want to kind of talk about I was in my first race uh, last year I did a 5k with the Louisiana Marathon which was in the city of Baton Rouge Louisiana and this event is happens every year and it's sanctioned by the USATF for those of you that don't that don't know what the USATF is that's the United States Association of Track and Field and I did my first ever 5k and I have to tell you even though a 5k is a 3.1 mile race it is a lot of fun. You get a chance to not only challenge yourself physically, but also mentally as well. You get a chance to be with other people because, again, like you said earlier, Justin, you're running in a group. So that's what makes it so much fun because you're getting a workout. You touched on the benefits of it. You're getting the workout and you're having a lot of fun out there. It's just it's just a great way to have fun and stay fit. Yeah, people definitely make it fun. I had fun running on my own, but I definitely can say running with other people makes it makes it 10 times better because you also don't have to it's not like I said you don't have to be running at a fast pace. You can be running if you if you're going by pace, you could run 10, 11, 12 minute miles. Who cares? You're out there and you're making it happen. And that's that's all that matters. And then what you would probably want to work on if it becomes something that you're truly interested in is your form. And making sure that, you know, you're running correctly so that you don't, as so as to you don't injure yourself, you know, as far as you don't want to, like, heel striking is not a good, is not a good thing. I know a lot of people think that when you're running, your heel should hit the ground first because that's the way it is if you were to, to walk. But actually, it's not. You should be running with the sole of your, your foot. Almost like, kind of like walking on your tiptoes, but not. But you definitely don't want to be heel striking because that can cause to, that can cause injury. Good points that you've made right there. Now, let's talk about Global Running Day. What is the purpose of Global Running Day? 
Global Running Day is just a day that I believe it was founded in like 2006, and it it's just a day that celebrates the sport of running. It's really nothing other than that. People of all ages all over the country participate on June 6th. I think even here in New York, at the time, Mayor de Blasio, I believe in 2016, he declared it national, or he, he declared it Global Running Day uh, for the city of New York in 2016. But it's just a day that celebrates, celebrates the sport of running. And when we say, as, again, when saying running, it doesn't mean that you have to run a certain distance. You could run around one time around your block. You could walk your dog briskly. It's all considered, it's all part of running. Or you could run miles. You could run a marathon if you wanted. But it's just to celebrate and just to get people out and moving. And that's kind of what, that's my intention with my group here that I have in the Bronx. That's our intention is to get people out and moving. This Wednesday, we're for Global Running Day. I live here in, in the Bronx, New York, and there are all the groups, all the running groups in the Bronx are getting together. And we're going to have a huge event. Uh, for Global Running Day. It's never been done in any of the boroughs in New York City. Um, the Bronx is the last borough to actually have running groups. We were the, pretty much the first known because there was one before us, which was the Cortona Park Run Club. But I think we're the first ones to be known throughout the boroughs and um, others followed. So there's like four others. Now, Justin, you mentioned about the borough of the Bronx in New York City. We know that the Bronx is rich in culture and in history. It's known for being the birthplace of hip hop. But I got to ask you about a running organization that you're a part of called Bronx Soul. Tell the audience about that. You're right about that. With the the Bronx is known for being the birthplace of hip hop because it is. Bronx Soul is the group, the running group that I started, the running and walking group that I started because a friend of mine who's a teacher here in the Bronx uh, sent me an article that said that the Bronx was the unhealthiest county in New York State. Now, New York State has 62 counties. That means the Bronx was 62nd for seven years in a row. And I just found that statistic to be crazy. And I was telling her, like, I, I was like, is no one going to be doing anything to try to combat this? Is no one going to go out to try to help the people of the Bronx? I mean, I live here and I love it. And I love the people here. But if we're the unhealthiest, then Somebody's got to do something to try to help that, to try to come back, combat it. I talked to my friend Pedro about it, and he, was, he told me, he said, I thought you were going to start a running group in the Bronx. And I said, I was, but I was going to start just a running group. I was like, but if these people, if we're the unhealthiest, that means there's people sitting on their couches and they don't exercise at all. So I was only going to cater to runners that were already running. But in order to try to get, it's harder to get people who aren't active, active. But that became my goal, and it still is, and we've been successful with it. So what I decided to do is incorporate some Bronx history because my friend and I, used to, he used to take me around on a lot of Bronx tours, uh, walking tours. My friend Pedro, he's actually from the Bronx, and he told me no one would be interested in it, but I told him no. I was like, I feel like they would be, and if not, it'll just be me and you running. So we just decided to incorporate Bronx history. So now we have three groups. We have a running group. They run between three and five miles, and we don't run fast. And uh, We run at whatever's comfortable for everyone. 
Of course, we have, there's one of us in the front and one of us in the back so that people can fall in wherever they may. If some people have to walk and they went out with the running group, it's still fine because we wait. We stop at the red lights because some people need the red lights. Like I said, we're not in a hurry, but we do. The running group does two stops, two historical stops. Usually one is, one is um, about the history of the area or a building or any type of land, landmark, something like that. And then the second stop is usually a before and after where we show you a picture of a, a certain area like from 1930 to what it looks like now. And then we take a picture in front of it. Then we have a run-walk group. They do one history stop. And then we have a walking group, and they do about a one- to two-mile walk, and they uh, do one historical stop. But the most people we've ever had come out so far is 48, which is phenomenal. Consistently now, I think we have between 20 and 30 people coming out uh, consistently, and we definitely want to increase that number. But I can honestly say we've been combating uh, obesity and asthma rates, you know, and, and asthma here in the Bronx. And we were actually just featured in Runner's World magazine a month ago. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Explain to the audience about the fellowship that you did with the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation. We applied to be a part of a fellowship uh, with Partnerships for Parks, which is under the Parks Department here in New York City. Um, what it what it is is it's a it was a fellowship and we had to attend one class a month for six months and they teach you how to get your organization together and how to you know how to grant write how to speak to a public figure how to do elevator pitches anything you would need to they try to to give you the tools to help your organization thrive is what its purpose was. And we graduated last year in it. And um, actually through that partnership, um, last year we got $550 grant. And this year we got $900 grant from applying for that, the actual grant, the capacity fund grant that they offer. It's a great organization here in New York City. Congratulations to all your success about spreading the importance of running, not just in the Bronx, but also on a worldwide level to be featured in Runner's World magazine. That's definitely not small potatoes. That's definitely a big accomplishment. So quickly, where can they find you on social media? Where can they find Bronx Soul on social media? And also give us any social media platforms or a website for Global Running Day. Okay. Well, you can find me personally on Instagram at J M as in Mary A S H I A seventeen. That's just my personal Instagram page. Uh, Bronx Soul is at Bronx B R O N X Soul S O L E, and we're also on, on Facebook under Bronx Soul, and we're on Twitter. Global Running Day has a website. It's just globalrunningday.org. But you should, I encourage anyone to go on our Facebook page and hit that like button because we've got, we've got over 500 likes and we're trying to reach 1,000. So we'd appreciate it. Appreciate the love. Well, let me be the first to say, my brother, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on The Robinson Show. And much peace, blessings, and success to you. And that's Justin Mache, an avid runner, also member of Bronx Soul, and also spreading the word about the importance of running. Justin, thank you so much for being on The Robinson Show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
Available now on audiobook format, Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season. Follow the Eagles on their triumphant journey as you witness players such as Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Torrey Smith, Jay Ajayi, Nelson Aguilar, and Zach Ertz. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available for digital download on audiobook at bandcamp.com, cdbaby.com, and nimbit.com. Available now on audiobook format, Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season. Follow the Eagles on their triumphant journey as you witness players such as Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Torrey Smith, Jay Ajayi, Nelson Aguilar, and Zach Ertz. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available for digital download on audiobook at bandcamp.com, cdbaby.com, and nimbit.com. Don't forget to follow the Sports Talk with Friends Facebook page and tune into the Sports Chatter Show every Friday at 7 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com. Fridays at 7 p.m. on the Sports Chatter Show on Blog Talk Radio. That's going to do it for this week's show. I'm yours truly, Ed Robinson. And remember, put God first in everything you do and you can't go wrong. Until next time, stick to the script. We're out. Peace. Available now on audiobook format, Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season. Follow the Eagles on their triumphant journey as you witness players such as Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Torrey Smith, Jay Ajayi, Nelson Aguilar, and Zach Ertz. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available for digital download on audiobook at bandcamp.com, cdbaby.com, and nimbit.com. Available now on audiobook format, Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season. Follow the Eagles on their triumphant journey as you witness players such as Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Torrey Smith, Jay Ajayi, Nelson Aguilar, and Zach Ertz. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available for digital download on audiobook at bandcamp.com, cdbaby.com, and nimbit.com.